0: The Around the NFL podcast plays the game of thrones.
3: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys?
1: Hey, Dan. Mark, welcome back, baby. Good to be here, mostly. (laughs) Mostly. Wow. I just trying to turn this week into a, sort of a second week of vacation. You mean a third? <laughs> no, I'm just saying second in a row. Oh. And you know, I thought I also thought about the accusations that were thrown at me before, and I'll take as much vacation as I want, and I have, actually have a lot more days stayed up. I've stored up. Of, I may just take them all. Did See you, you on September 5th or 8th, wherever it is.
3: On that on that point, any have you heard back from any of your sparrows?
1: I did. I'm I'm impressed. I did not. There was no heat-seeking uh, negativity from you guys, from what I know about. They Unless,
3: your sparrows let you down.
1: They could be lying to me.
3: What were there?
4: I don't know of any. Where? What went on in your uh, little sojourn to the East
1: Coast? It's too long to tell. Oh come on! It was great. Give I mean, it's like bit. got in a rental car, drove to like four or five states, saw tons of old friends, and did not think about uh the workplace for one second the entire time.
3: I had to ask Mark this morning at the uh, commissary. Dance with the devil at all?
1: I translate. What does that even mean, dance with the devil? <laughs> it can mean a lot of things. No, I did not. I think I was imp- I was pretty well-behaved, actually. Almost stunned by my uh,
2: behavior. <laughs>
4: Speaking of
1: you have money- issues. Well, you had to drive a lot. <laughs> you have issues. I think that was yeah. part of the issue. You right. kept having to
5: cross state lines. I kept a lid on it for the most part. Yeah.
4: Speaking of the money tag, though, Mark, I know we were all souring on Game of Thrones at the beginning of this season. You got to stick with it till the finale because the last two episodes made up for putting me to sleep for two months. I saw the
1: one two yeah. weeks ago. Not this one. It was great. We have a great.
3: We've tried to what we're trying to do here at the Around the NFL podcast is be the only entity or part of the NFL digital di- digital experience that does not talk about Game of Thrones <laughs> because it do, you don't have to talk about Game of Thrones like a, a, a reference and pass passing like Wes just made that's fine but we're not gonna have a segment like who's the real queen of Westeros Carson Palmer what <laughs> enough of this nonsense <laughs>
1: it's good show running 10
3: uh, today's show that's fired is it good? It wasn't really. It's just, you know, enough. Uh, solid show. Like it? Pre-show grade. B. That's it. Plus.
4: <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Uh,
3: we are going to uh, talk about uh, Patrick Peterson. No, we're not just going to talk about Patrick Peterson. Arguably the best cornerback in football will be in this studio, mm. and we will talk to him about All or Nothing, the new Amazon series, uh, which uh, Handsome Hank, the notorious DOP, has assigned me to write episode recaps of all eight of the episodes that are dropping at midnight on Friday. So that's that's my work week for the most part. But I'm enjoying it. As far as assignments go at work, it's better than, you know, taking tolls at the bridge or something. Well, yeah, you I'm must be liking it
1: because you keep, on on our IM uh, platform, you keep telling us about scenes mm. that stand out. As it sounds like it, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah I, do-
5: I doubt many of the people that your big fan base in your coal town you grew up in are listening to you uh, talk about watching television shows and reviewing them as yeah. some sort of backbreaking labor.
3: Well, I got out, you know, and I think a lot of people from Pearl River they they root for me. Uh, they say, "Oh, he he did it. He got out of the town before it was too late, like me." And I'm just a bum in a bar. I I, I love all those people in Pearl River, but <laughs> we can tell I, I'm going You'd never invite them to your
4: house. But you love them
3: absolutely. Uh, the town of friendly people was the name uh, of Pearl River, or the nickname, and I'm friendly because of that. Anyway, Patrick Peterson coming in a little bit later today. We're excited about that. Uh, also, one of our favorite games. was Yes. What's more likely is back. You know, we waited for Mark to return uh, to break out or dust off one of the old war horses of the Around the NFL podcast, uh, and uh, we'll talk about. Speaking of Mark Sessler, uh, a new long form banger dropped by the Sizzler. Ooh, yeah. Uh, we will uh, talk about that. Stratomatic, a precursor to fantasy football. Sessler did a deep dive, trying to educate them millennials.
1: Yeah, that was one of the purposes. But yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> that—that's actually the subheading right now.
4: <laughs> Educating dim millennials.
3: <laughs> uh, but before that, we got to do some news. We check behind the glass and say hi to the Irishman. What's up, bud? Nothing much. I, for one, missed Mark at our Thursday night softball game
5: this week. It felt like something was missing from our team when he wasn't there.
3: Absolutely, Mark is a great um, uh, onlooker and supporter of the Shield. And I'm glad you brought that up because the Shield, everything coming together now, a 24-1 to 1 win over uh, a squad that had beaten us weeks earlier, 23-21. Uh, to 21. So, uh, Wes, I think we're starting to click and put it all together.
4: We are clicking, and, you know, the decision to move Irishman to leadoff paid off big time. In my book, five for five with five runs scored. Dan keeps wow. a stricter book yeah. and credit him for being three for four with mm. an error. Well,
3: I actually... I don't know what's going on with Wes's book because walks are not hits. And softball, I call it avoiding out percentage. Okay, well that's a different stat. Okay, <laughs> it's a different sport. Okay, but A-L-P. I will. What the what the, the official scorer did do was give a credit that fourth hit. So you four for and the game ball which went to the Irishman. Wow. Described the ball four for four walk five runs scored lead off excellence.
1: I mean, the one thing that, about this team, and I was, couldn't have been prouder when I saw Lakeisha's tweet basically describing the romping that you dropped on this, these, whoever these people were. I don't even know if they were an actual sports team. clown car. Total clown car. That You could see for spurts that this was going to happen with this team at some point.
3: Now we just got to close. We got four games left. Playoffs uh, are in our hands if we can win some softball games.
1: Greg cannot wait for this <laughs> season to end. Right, I love. That. I like your. What are you come to a game? I, haven't, I
5: haven't been anti softball. Well, yeah,
4: you said you would come to a game.
5: Yeah, I'll come. I'll come to a game. Let's go, let's make the playoffs.
3: Okay, Wanna you'll come to a that? playoff game. Playoff okay. game. <laughs> we'll hold you to that. Uh, let's do some news, Irish.
4: one not take anything away from Jim McMahon in the offense,
3: but uh, we could probably have done it without him. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Buddy Ryan, the architect of arguably the best defense in the history of the NFL, the 85 Bears, also uh, the defensive coordinator of the Super Bowl three winning New York Jets uh, and head coaching stops in various places. Buddy Ryan passed away on Tuesday at the age of 85 years. Um, This was a man, uh, Chris Wessling that, uh, you know, a lot of people loved, a lot of people uh, disliked, uh, but And when we talk about Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, his sons, and their their blustery ways, it all came from the old man, Buddy Ryan.
4: I think the quintessential Buddy Ryan quote is, QBs are overpaid, overrated, pompous bastards, and must be punished. (laughs) That defines Buddy Ryan's philosophy on football. It might not be true, but it's definitely what you want from a defensive coordinator's outlook.
5: And you know where the quote came from? It wasn't from a podium. That was literally in his playbook. The
4: 1993 (laughs) Houston Oilers playbook. And to me, he was the defense's answer to Bill Walsh in the 1970s and 80s Mm. that he was so radically different from what everyone else was doing and caused the game to change. He basically abolished the two-running back offense. His 46 defense with the Bears led to the abolishment of the two-running back offense. And it was, it's no coincidence that Joe Gibbs Redskins kind of bedeviled the Bears during that time with their three wide receivers or their two – they had an back offense. But to me, his legacy will be that he's the greatest antagonist to quarterbacks in NFL history. Mm. And that includes his own quarterbacks.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, his relationship <laughs> with his own offensive coordinators and offensive players I think is – it's carried on to some degree to Rex, especially – Oh, absolutely. A lot of things have carried on. I mean
3: yeah. his head coaching record fifty five, fifty five and one, oh and three in the postseason. As a head coach, Buddy Ryan is not a legendary figure, but still there was uh just he was a uh a force of nature as a personality and that's why he's remembered so well, even if he didn't succeed at, at the highest level of the position.
5: Well, and those nineties, late eighties, early nineties, Eagles teams were some of the most fascinating, exciting teams that I can remember. It's the only team, and this is largely because of Randall Cunningham, that I remember rooting for other than the Patriots. not like they were my team, but I just wanted to watch them. And now over time, as I've, I've read about these teams, uh, like I just think they're one of the most fascinating collection of characters. And Buddy Ryan was the one leading the way there. And then you have Jerome Brown and Reggie White and, of course, Cunningham and Seth Joyner and just – there was a lot going on there, and and I thought Mike uh, Tannier of um, Bleacher Report now, who who grew up in Philadelphia at the time, those teams mean a lot to people who are from Philadelphia. For teams that never won a playoff game, like that team was just rebellious. Like to them, to a lot of people growing up, I think in Philadelphia, that team. Uh, typified rebellion. So even though they never won a playoff game or came through, it was just like everything that town wanted a team to be. That
1: team also, and it's it, it's all those teams from the 80s that if you didn't win a championship, if you didn't go to the Super Bowl and dominate someone, a lot of those came-close-type teams are forgotten. And the Eagles, there would be certain Monday night games against the Cowboys or other, other NFC East-type teams where they would drop such a hammer on them, and the Eagles looked so dominant for stretches. A lot of times earlier in the season, too, and and it wouldn't it wouldn't mesh out it another thing that reminds me of some of rex's stuff but i for for all the times that i have ripped on rex and rob and for good reason in my book i do see two sons that absolutely love their fathers that their father i think that they they, they it it's so it's such a carbon copy scenario with the two of them and i you know i feel for those guys it's it they were with him to the end and absolutely adored him well what
5: better way to show your love than to be like your father. To, I mean, and they, and they are so much like him. And I, I'm thinking of the great book, bringing the heat by Mark uh, Bowden, who's it's one of the most underrated and one of my favorite books following uh, a team like that sort of, you know, inside the team. It's about as inside as it gets. Uh, I think of that book. And, and I really recommend if you're into reading about football to, to get that book, bringing the heat, Mark Bowden, who's who's a great writer. It's almost like a prequel to collision low crossers because a lot of the the same sort of offense, defense, antagonism, almost to the point where you're ignoring the offense and then the quotes that, that Buddy Ryan has and everything going on and letting his players be players, it's almost like a prequel of everything that ended up happening with the Jets. The first quote that Buddy Ryan has when he gets hired by the Eagles in his introductory press conference is, now you've got a winner in town. Talking about himself. I mean, that's, that's Rex
1: absolutely. Ryan. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
3: and I do remember my, my memory, personal memory, is later in his career, and it was the famous Gilbride game. It was January 2nd, Week 17, and the Oilers were one of the hottest teams in the league. I think they won 10 in a row to end that season. And the Jets had a win-and-in win scenario in Week 17 at Houston, of course. They laid down and lost twenty-four nothing. But at the end of the first half, in a game where uh, Buddy Ryan's defense was dominating the opponent, he starts. He gets into it with Kevin Gilbride, the offensive coordinator for his what he called the Chuck and Duck, I believe, offense, the run and shoot offense of the Oilers of that era. And he took a swing at Kevin Gilbride, which was caught on camera. I mean, if that happened today, can you even imagine if an <laughs> offensive coordinator? punched a defense defense quarter on the sidelines, what would happen in in, in today's media world. But uh, he ended up being out of the door after that season. I'm sure that played a role, and he, he ended his career with two uneventful seasons in Arizona. But we should double back and just maybe talk a little bit more about the 85 team. By the way, before you do,
5: after yeah. that game, instead of apologizing like coaches would now, he was quoted saying Kevin Gobride will be selling insurance in two years. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, but the 85 Bears, he was, uh, it's believed to be the only defensive coordinator or coordinator of any kind to be carried off the field after a win, a, a total blowout of the Patriots in Super Bowl XX.
4: The greatest defense I've ever seen is the '85 Bears, and I would compare them to Mike Tyson in his prime, where the the match the game is over in the first round, and the goal of the eight of the '85 Bears and Bex, Rex Ryan's or Buddy Ryan's four-six defense, named not because of the alignment, but after Doug Plank, the strong safety who would go play at the line of scrimmage. Doug Plank said the 46 basically just means we're going to get to know your backup quarterback today.
1: (laughs) And that's what they did. They knocked almost every quarterback out of the game. And that 85 Bears team for all its Super Bowl shuffle and Jim McMahon, I mean, the defense is the reason they won that Super Bowl. That we, that what they did that year, and at the end of the Americas game, which they were playing down in the office, because obviously Ditka, you know, and who inherited Buddy Ryan, and there were, they did not get along, and he did not have control over half his team, basically, and there were all the factions we've mentioned, but Ditka acknowledges at the end, he said, you know, I never went and won another Super Bowl. Buddy Ryan never did. Had we, stu- had we stuck together, what could have happen? And Bears fans still to this day have to wonder, could we have won another two, maybe, because there were team, teams that were 14-2 and two coming out of Chicago that couldn't close it in the playoffs. Buddy Ryan with Ditka for another two or three years could have been very interesting. I think we have some audio from Ditka there.
3: How many Super Bowls did I win after Buddy left? Now, how many did he win after he left me? None. Hmm. So maybe we were better together than we were apart. They hated each other, too. They, they were famous for squabbling and to the point where it was in – uh, Ditka's contract or there's was, was contract language where he wasn't allowed to fire Buddy Ryan, uh, Buddy Ryan would throw erasers at Ditka when he would come into defensive team meetings. I mean, this is stuff. And, you know, you, Mark, you get on uh, on Rex and Robin. A lot of people do. We probably would have had similar feelings about Buddy Ryan if we were covering the football back then. But now you look back and he just seems like this this iconoclast and this amazing character. Uh, but... Man, what a what a career! And Don't you t- think
1: by the end of his career, though, people were starting to tire of the Buddy Ryan right? Experience? The experience, the
5: Arizona, the o- Arizona tenure was forgettable. The whole thing was about was kind of like the first year has been in Buffalo for Rex. I mean, it, it was not uh, a pleasant experience for anyone in that organization. But you said it. I mean, what what a career in terms of spanning that he was the defensive line coach in Super Bowl three. Uh, to this greatest defense, and when we kind of we build up coordinators now as these defensive masterminds, and and Chris said it like I don't think there just hadn't been coordinators that much before B- Buddy Ryan. I mean, there were there were some that that they became the stars in terms of their game plan on defense. There wasn't that thought that the defense could be that aggressive, where the defense
4: could control the game, and he was a big part of doing that. One short cliff's Notes history lesson to kind of put a bow on this. George Hallis, former owner and coach of the Bears, created the T-formation offense, which took the quarterback to a position where he's a passer. It wasn't always like that. And through the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Joe Namath comes in as the first $400,000 quarterback. By the time Buddy Ryan comes in, which is right around that time, quarterback is elevated to this fine piece of offense machinery, the most valuable player on the field. And Buddy Ryan's whole philosophy was if he's that valuable, I'm taking him out of the game.
3: There you go. Buddy Ryan uh, dead at the age of 85. All right, guys, moving on. uh, And Mark comes back from vacation. And what drops on society? A hammer. A hammer. This long form that Mark had been writing and working on for weeks and weeks,
1: perhaps months. Uh, Weeks and weeks. Yeah.
3: And uh, we even, Mark, you and I shot a video. Stratomatic uh, is a board game uh, that goes back decades and decades Uh, And it was a precursor to the fantasy football industry, which now we know is the biggest thing in the world. Uh, But before any of that happened, Mark, there was Stratomatic. You have a long-form article up, which we all implore you to check out, www.nfl.com slash Stratomatic, vanity URL, baby. Tell us a little bit about this project, Mark.
1: I came up with the idea because I had played the board game as like in seventh or eighth grade when, you know – i don 't have a car uh, I you know any girl that I knew was dating someone two years older than me, and I basically didn 't exist to him i has just I love that you wrote that in the piece, which is great. well it 's true because I was just coming into an out and outright obsession with the NFL and with the browns and but I lived so far away that i couldn 't see anything about the Browns like you can only get two TV games a year, and in some football magazine <clears throat> you know in August you go out and buy all the football magazines back then, there were these ads for these th- this board game. And when I, I purchased it, uh, I, I got an initially like a, a pile of leaflets about it, and it just made me realize this is everything I want. It's total freedom. I can <laughs> control like football teams, football players. The board games came soon after, and it was absolutely fascinating because the way it's set up, it was not a video game. It predated Tecmo Bowl and all that for me, that it was about strategy, and it was about – actually replaying the teams that you loved and it recreated realistic results. So you couldn't do things with players that you couldn't do in real life. And it was challenging. It was hard to learn. It was very hard to find other people to find to play with, but I did. And then soon after it became a computer game, a PC version, a very stripped down game, but it was much easier to play that in terms of it only took about one eighth of the time. And then my obsession with it just took off. Then you become an adult, you move on. And I thought, well, I wonder if this thing still exists in any form. And it was like last October, November that I found that there's a huge community of mostly aging males that are still playing this computerized version of this game. And it's become all the more complex and intense. And they've been in leagues like you would be in a fantasy football league for 20 years together. And they are absolutely uh, driven by this passion and obsessed. So when I saw that it became this sort of community in itself, I started to research it and thought, This might be something that I would like to write.
3: Why do you think the community that still plays it? Why haven't they moved on to Madden, which you know at this stage has advanced to a level where there is real strategy in the play calling? uh, Is there something too stratomatic where it's seen as more authentic in how to defeat an opponent?
1: I think it is. I think they are different platforms. I asked that question of the people that are that I interviewed. And I just think it's completely two different worlds to these people. The, the, we're talking, most of the people that play seem to be in a similar demographic age-wise, probably to Wes and I. It it probably would be hard to get people about 10 years younger. And they have been doing it. They've made friends. And I think that the, you have to know every player in the league. And they draft for players that are just becoming good players that they think will become better rated. Down they, all these players have player cards. They become better rated in a year or two. Like the people I talked to knew every single player. They study Roto World all day. So it's a it's a That's little wild. it's a little bit beyond Madden and certainly beyond fantasy football that focuses the more simple fantasy football that would focus on just skill position players. It has a lot more going on than that, and it's it's probably way too much for certain people to handle, but for these guys, it meets their obsession right where they're at.
4: I think the key word is obsession, and, and I think man doesn't crave what he already has. It's right. hard for anyone under the age of 35 to understand how we grew up, where there was no internet. Honestly, it's worse than that. I didn't, I, you couldn't find inf- information outside of your local paper. Nothing. You couldn't find anything from the other 31 or other... 29 NFL teams in the league. You couldn't find anything on NBA in Cincinnati. I would go dumpster diving, literally, for sporting news. (laughs) So you could (laughs) could quench that obsession. I had a paper route just so I could get the sports section of the Cincinnati Post. I feel like someone needs
5: to Photoshop West dumpster diving for sporting (laughs) news.
4: I I hear you, though. And I think that's the mindset. That's the breeding ground. I I remember my brother and I invented a dice game for baseball, which is similar Mm. to Uh, Stratomatic.
3: I think – And I had never played the game before, and for this video that's actually in the accompanying uh, story by Mark, um, we played each other for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, and I clearly don't know any of the, the specifics and nuances of how the game works, but by the time we finished, I got why people would be into it. Like, it seemed like a game that you could just, you know, hang out on a porch on a summer night and not have any girlfriends and, you know, have a couple drinks and, like, just play this game and take it way too seriously. I could totally see how sports nerds, which, you know, we all are in, in, in different ways, uh, could really embrace something like this. It,
5: it, it was franchise mode, essentially, right, of Madden. Not that yes. I'm a Madden player, but yep. before before that happened. And, like, that's – I mean, I didn't know about it as as a kid. I wasn't as into – I wasn't that deep into football that I guess it, I came across it. I did I did fantasy baseball at a very young age called this thing called robot baseball where you would send in, you know, pick your, your plays and stuff like that. But this this to me like if I I see this, I know I would have I would have absolutely loved every second of it and just the strategy that you need to know you need to know the guards. You need to know plays. You need to know what plays work against what defenses. You need to know how to move players around. Like it's more. It is more than just picking which wide receivers are gonna uh, get yards and touchdowns. And I think if you love football, it's it's a thing that's gonna only make you love it more.
1: Yeah, I like I bought. So I bought the updated computer game, and I had this little back house in our yard, and I was going back there trying to just learn how. It's so much more complex than the, the, than the version I played back in the. Uh, late '80s, and I mean, I'm playing the computer, and it is kicking my butt. I play the, I, I <laughs> opened up the the piece talking about play, trying taking the Bengals defense and playing Tom Brady and the Patriots, and they're just rolling up and down the field <laughs> on me. And when I talk to some of these guys who played for a long time, they're like, "Oh, you got a lot to learn. Like, I, they're like I'm happy to sit <laughs> down and teach you, but you can't just pick. You have to move. You move players around, move safeties around, and if you don't, you're going to get waxed. And I mean, it was frustrating. As I'm pounding the table back there, and my wife Simone is just probably very concerned. In general, were they were they taught well, ta- that, that beyond you. stratomatic? It's again. right. Were they taunting like you have much to learn, young man? No, actually, <laughs> I honestly, the two two of the <laughs> <long-time laughs> full back draw. <laughs> what a clown! No, they were <laughs> they were so nice. The people that that play this and their their dads, their fathers, their they have jobs. They're Single. normal guys. Uh, they they though basically. Uh, th- you, they listen to this show. They absorb every bit of football information they can to try to get better at this. It's 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 incredible how much time they put in. The line, a great piece, Mark. Everyone really needs
5: to read it. I, mean, I know we're not wrapping up or anything, but I just want to say that everyone needs to go check this out. If you like this podcast, you're going to like the piece.
4: The line that jumped out to me was the thought of taking complete control of the Browns. And it's <laughs> what Greg said, like franchise mode. I remember my sports obsession started, and we've talked about this. My dad just told me one day I was talking about the Reds need to trade for a leadoff hitter, and he said, why don't you sit down and find a way where they could trade for Ricky Henderson? And that was, like, <laughs> to me, the start of I'm taking control of the Reds now. Yep. And I totally get that. That's It starts an obsession, and I haven't been the same since. Yes.
3: <laughs> uh, yes, NFL.com slash Stratomatic Sessler high-octane banger. Make sure you check it out. All right, very special guest here in the studio. a Five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro. That's when you know you're a real stud. First-team (laughs) All-Pro star of the Arizona Cardinals, cornerback Patrick Peterson. Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast, Patrick. Oh, Thank you for having me. Where do you rank in terms of greatest
2: career achievements being in the studio right now? (laughs) Top? Uh, I don't know. I I, I mean, I don't know the roster you guys brought in here. (laughs) How about
5: great career achievements uh, arriving here on the team plane, man driven by Float, the owner, right. piloted plan, so. <laughs> by your owner, is that a that a true story? We have a, a picture we're going to show of <laughs> of the plane. Four of the Cardinals coming in here, and Michael Bidwell, the team president and it owner,
2: was, piloted. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure for the owner to to to, to, to take out the time of the day and fly us up here to uh, to the NFL Network. It was a. Uh, a bucket list for sure. <laughs> First of all, it's like a move that you would see on Ballers. Right. That's like, second of all,
3: sec- a few things about this. So it's the Ballers thing, like The Rock would be involved, you would think. And then, second of all, like what a what a man, a masculine man, Michael Bidwell is because he could own a team and fly a plane. <laughs> Third of all, are you in a tough spot, Patrick? There because yeah. listen, oh, it's cool that the owners fly in the plane, but you know, uh, can he really fly a plane? Like, <laughs> what are you gonna say? You know, he's no, your boss. you can't
2: say no. You know, I kind of I, I kind of felt on his um, um on his on his reference when he said uh, yeah, I only been flying since I was 18 years old, so I kind of felt at okay. ease. Okay. <laughs> so if he would have been like, I've only been flying since you know like 2012, but that's you know,
3: like, would you? Be- <laughs> I like, For that's four years. <laughs> well, he be- he better be confident because
5: he's got you, he's got Calais Campbell, he's, he's got David Johnson in and the he's plane been
3: there as well. So okay. That's confident. the most. Yes. Even- <laughs> okay. Let's let's get into this all or nothing. Uh, it's, uh debuting on Amazon uh Prime on July 1st a uh, multi-part mini series documentary whatever you want to call it and uh you know Patrick obviously um has has a big part in this as it's documenting the entire season like my dream for years was a show that was you took the hard knocks model and drew it out over an entire season right. but your coach Bruce Arians said that he doesn't like Hard Knocks. He thinks it's too much, like, playing up for the cameras and getting into the the roster cuts mm-hmm. and, like, a soap opera. But this is a different thing. How is this different from Hard
2: Knocks if you've watched that show before? Uh, I have watched Hard Knocks uh, before, but, you know, over the last couple of years I kind of fell away from it because it always comes out, you know, in, the, in right. the middle of camp. And I'm not a very good guy or tech savvy of recording and, and going back <laughs> home and watching them. Right. so um, but this is different because obviously, it's, like you said, it's, it's through the course of a season and, uh, and at times you, f- you kind of forget that those cameras are there and, and it, it was, it was real, genuine emotions. Um, you can see the humor of the football team, you know, the character that we had, you know, the, the adversity that we the adversities that we had to go through, you know, practicing in uh, West Virginia, getting ready for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the ups and downs of games It's just, I think it was a. A brilliant, brilliant idea, and like you said, that was something I always wanted to see too. How how is it like? How what these teams do Monday through Sunday to get ready for a game? How they travel, and it, it's it's a definitely definitely a great um, look for for the it, NFL fans.
3: It's unprecedented. Like, there's never been a team that was documented all season long. Where was there ever a time during the season when there was some adversity, or, or if maybe you had a bad game? Not that you have bad games, but uh, <laughs> where you were like, "Easy there, damn! Damn, get these cameras out of my
2: face. We're trying <laughs> to do something here." Like I said, it was times that we didn't we didn't feel, or it, it wasn't a sense of urgency that the cameras were around us. You know, so it was right. it, it was always real because you know. They well they had so many hidden cameras so that we we kind of felt at ease because you know you wasn't always in front of a camera you know twenty four seven of that day but um it, it was a pretty cool project Big Brother watching though see that would yeah. spook me a little bit
5: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we have a clip of you actually from the show right oh, that, yeah. that we I wanted know. to uh, take a look at uh, some of you and your your boys let's yeah. let's, let's take a, well, let's take well, a look well
2: what these guys are talking about. <laughs> Um, it's my Rolls Royce. Um, I drove it every day to work last year. my work car. It was a Rolls Royce. It's a humble flashy, but he the flashiest. You know you tight when you can
3: talk about each other and you still cool. <laughs> a Rolls Royce. To, is that, what is it, what, what's the move with the Rolls Royce? Is that sending a message when you pull it up? Uh, what is humble
5: the flashy? That's, that's a better I, question. That's what I want to know.
2: I guess that's, I mean, I don't know. That's the first time I ever heard that. <laughs> Um, but I guess humble flashy is from Gerard' p- point of view. I probably have to say without the rims, um, okay, still pulling up in like a in, in, in sports wear, okay, know, in a in a suit and tie and all that stuff. So also, it's like. I, I think I get
3: it because it's that's a classy car. That is almost like the classiest car right. in the world. So you yeah, there I'm sure there are guys that pull up in the Lamborghinis and the yeah. Ferraris and that's that's not humble flashy, that's just right. flashy. <laughs> that makes sense. You're, you're kinda humble
5: Jeep flashy job. right now. You know, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna be on television today in here, yeah. but you're just nice but you're not like Over hey, the top. Yeah, you're not
4: pointing it out that you make way more money than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, your Cardinals were the most fun team in the league to watch last year whenever I went to Game Pass. First game I pull up is the Cardinals on right. Sunday night. And part of that is because you and Tyron Matthew, it's rare that you have two Defensive Player of the Year candidates on the same team. Mm-hmm. Which one of you is more valuable?
2: Um. Wow. wow. West drops a bomb in a I'm big spot. About, man, I thought this was about the all of them We're talking about who's more valuable. Yeah. Um, I mean that's a tough question because I mean both of us mean so much for the defense. You know, if it's not me going on the team's opposing number one receivers, not him putting it, putting him in different situations as far as blitzing covering that number two slot or that number two threat on the um on the on, on the opposing team as well. But, you know, both of us we're a great access access to the team and we want to continue doing our parts to the best of our ability to to hopefully get us over the top one day.
5: What is, what does he do that kind of make, makes you say wow you know when he when he came on the team like what does he do that you know um, this, guy, this guy's I was, a little different
2: right and I, and you know playing with him in college so I, I kind of saw right. those flashes but when he got gotten in, got into the NFL into this stage and on this level his ability to blitz um, his ability to, to 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 do a great job of maneuvering his body in the perfect position for some strange hot reason um, and the way he's able to to to, to turn and flip his hips as quickly as he is in his ball skills i believe um, his ball skills are probably one of the best in the league i sure
3: and finally before we let you go patrick you know you're very good with twitter beefs and the mm-hmm. quarterbacks are always beefing we, and you know the people <laughs> we love the cornerback beefing you and richard sherman have gotten after it you and josh norman had some epic battles uh when's the next one i feel like we're a little overdue it's time
2: <laughs> who's next i have no idea I don't, I don't i don't get into the i don't try not to get into the beefs. you know it's just yeah. i think it's all fun I think it's all fun. There is something about the cornerback position, though,
5: that I don't know what – you don't really hear as much, like, tight end saying, I'm the best tight end. But there right. is there is something about cornerbacks. And it and this started well before you were ever in the league right. of the different cornerbacks kind of comparing each other, comparing themselves to each other and saying, no, I'm the best right now. Uh, I'm number one. Is there something, like, about the position that you're inherently competitive with all those other guys?
2: Um, I Probably have to say the – because you know now the NFL is, is is turning turning into that passing lead. So you know, you know, most teams you have marquee receivers, and, you know, and now this day and age of football, you need to have one or two marquee defensive backs or, or cornerbacks, and to play to and to play my position, you have to be confident. I mean, you always have to. Carry a certain swag, you know, about yourself, and I think that's what it's all about—just a, a bunch of great guys, a bunch, a bunch of great athletes, you know, fighting and, and jawing for that uh, number one spot.
5: Plus, you are better than Josh Norman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we knew that. There we go. Fair. All right. Fair. So Patrick
3: Peterson—he's got stuff to do. He's a busy man about time town in Los Angeles. Then he's got to get back on the jet, and you fully trust the owner to get yeah. you home. So everything's working out, <laughs> and it's great to have patrick peterson here with us uh again check him out on all or nothing on uh, amazon prime and then watch him of course uh the team of around the nfl last year the arizona cardinals we love watching the cards yep. we look forward to watching you again in 2016
2: oh man we're we looking forward to putting on another great show as well and and uh, getting to the big game and winning it mm-hmm. hopefully and there he is patrick peterson west you really put him on the spot there
4: I, I don't blame him for that. How anything. do we treat our, that's how we treat our guests? Hey, look, I want some answers, but it's it's late June. He doesn't want to think about football. I'm fine with that.
3: That's fair. That's fair.
5: I like that he was comfortable when I pointed out how much more money he made than all of us.
3: <laughs> some things you just you know, can own and not even feel <laughs> weird about it. Uh all right, so thank you to Patrick Peterson. Before we go, uh yes, it's time to play one of our favorite games in the world. What's more? Yes, this is a game whereby each of us take turns laying out two different plausible scenarios and the rest of the group decides which of those options are more likely. Uh, Sometimes we we put a theme on it. Uh, This time, take it anywhere you want. Mark, get us going.
1: All right, what is more likely? Number one, (laughs) the football gods finally smile on the Ryan Twins. With their beloved father gone, Rex and Rob turned the 2016 Bills into a team that Buddy Ryan would be proud of, a terrorizing Reggie Ragland-led defense to go with an offense led by low-paid, forgotten quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Slow out of the gate, the Bills finally awaken to drop an atomic bomb on Jimmy Garoppolo and the holier-than-thou Patriots in week four. (laughs) From there, Buffalo churns out one white-knuckled victory after the next setting up a Week 17 rematch with the New York Jets for the AFC's final wildcard spot. Sorry, Dan, but in a New York oh, Day massacre, stunning. the Ryans unleash a defense that sacks gangrene naif Christian Hackenberg a whopping nine times. It's only the start as Buffalo goes on to shred Denver and Pittsburgh before dropping New England 30-3 in the AFC Championship. After beating the Packers in Super Bowl 51. Rex and Rob are both carried off the field a la Bears 85 by their players in what Talking Heads call the greatest Super Bowl story of all time.
3: Okay, so not plausible, but go ahead.
1: That's option A. Was that, that
3: the, Okay, there's another
1: one? The, yes, <laughs> okay. that's how this game operates. <laughs> or number two, after conquering the world of pro football writing, Chris Wessling <laughs> trades in his romance with the NFL for his newfound obsession – with garden gnomes of all shapes and sizes. <clears throat> Returning to Tybee Island, Wes fills his small seaside bungalow with hundreds upon hundreds of gnome collectibles. A writer at heart, Wes can't help but jump online and become a core contributor to Gnomes We Know, the preeminent online landing spot for gnome knickknacks, fan fiction, and lore. Wes's weekly column, Naughty Gnome or Nice, Catches fire inside the subgenre, turning Wes into a folk hero within gnome enthusiast circles.
5: <laughs> How do we follow that? Well, we have to answer the question first. <laughs> What's that, more likely to just end the show? Um Wes, I'm gonna I'll jump oh you go ahead, Wes. You seem like you want to talk.
4: I w I wanna see what you guys say. I have an answer.
5: Well well, yeah, it was strange right after Dan says plausible um, for these two scenarios, because West loves him some football. He's still that same kid that was playing Stratomatic. He's not giving up the gnomes. I think you know this is really a shot at the Bills that these two scenarios would be somehow even. That the Bills winning the Super Bowl would be the same as West becoming the proprietor Numpy, of Gnomes Are Us. Is it called gnomes are, uh, gnomes are Us? Gnomes We Know. It's a it's a long shot at Rex Ryan, essentially. Uh, and I'm not going to take that bait. The Bills are much more likely. This is a talented team. It wouldn't be that surprising if they made the playoffs. And once you make the playoffs, you know, you always have a chance. It, it'd be a surprising Super Bowl team, but I don't think it'd be a surprising playoff team. The Bills are more likely.
3: Um, I I find it amusing, Mark, you continue to conflate what's more likely with Qualys Two Fantasia.
1: <laughs> I have no idea what either game <laughs> they is. They are
3: two very different <laughs> games, but they always end up uh, Qualys Two Fantasia. Um
1: <laughs> absolutely true. Dad dad
5: listen with some distaste there.
3: Not distaste, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're playing two different games here. Uh the <laughs> the more likely scenario though, Wes is not a gnome guy. He's just not a gnome guy.
5: Well, not yet. Why do you keep trying to put us out into different careers. You had me writing a tennis blog, me and Wes writing
1: a post-war blog. There's a lot. Of, well, know, this is team. also, I said, after he conquered the world of pro football writing. So he had done everything someone could do.
3: I.
4: Um, it's time for me to weigh in because you guys are being way too rough on Wait, the Wait, let me,
1: let me
3: answer the All question. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wes is not a gnome guy. Wes will do a lot of fun things in his post-football life, but collecting garden Uh, accessories is not one of them. So the Bills winning the Super Bowl would probably be more likely, but neither is likely at all or plausible.
4: Okay. (laughs) The answer is B. Whoa. Wes knows, too. He's got a good inside source. I don't want to write football the rest of my life. At some point, uh, that's not going to be what my passion is. Mm -hmm. Mm. But I have had a latent greed thumb for over a decade now. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Here we go. If I had my own place, I would be a gardener. I feel They're like I'm reading.
3: I'm, he's uh, reciting something off his Bumble uh, profile. Yeah, right
4: I now. would be a pretty devoted gardener. Go- I like the idea of working the earth. I like the idea <laughs> of yielding things that you've put in to the ground yourself. I like a self-sustaining economy. Wow. Save it for farmers only. Case I don't closed. know if I could get into the gnomes, <laughs> but I think, feel like if you're already gardening, that could become the next level, right? Sure. I think so, too. Case closed. Wow. I would go B. I don't think the Bills are winning the Super Bowl. But
3: uh, I could become wow. a gardener.
5: I, I th- I'm learning a lot about West here.
3: There is a difference though, become, becoming a gardener and becoming a crazy person that collects gnomes. It's though. true. It, it's that's mix- where I couldn't follow yeah. that you would do that.
4: I'm not particularly attached to gnomes.
3: I could see you like uh, <laughs> you know uh, the the Godfather uh, Vito Corleone in the tomato patch with the young grandson one day. Um, I, As
4: I'm explaining, naughty gnome or nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wes.
5: I'm sad you don't. You know you're not. Gonna, you don't want to write football forever. Oh.
4: We grow, Greg. Sad. We grow and change. Not me. I haven't grown since I was like 12. <laughs> that was sad. All right, you're up, Wes. What's more likely? Dan's son Jack ultimately the, abandons the Jets to root for the Rams. <laughs> Greg's son Walker ultimately abandons football for tennis. Well, who knows? If he's <laughs> even on top of it to begin with, but okay. Or one of Mark's sons, Luke or Colton, abandoned the Browns for the resurrection of the United States space program in the future.
1: Hmm.
3: Is the space program defunct?
4: Well,
5: uh, NASA is yes, a so shell right now. It's it's still. Yeah, but you got a space companies up there. like SpaceX like that are that's what really saying. you're saying it, it, would be it would
1: be revived? It would become what it what it was thought oh. as? Right. You okay. just
5: offended all of our NASA listeners, but that's fine. Well, they'd agree. Um. Wow. I uh, I'm gonna go. Well, it's specific here. I'm gonna go with Jack, uh, ditching the Jets for the Rams. Oh,
3: something negative about the Jets? No, (laughs) I think (laughs) we've hit our limit for the show, or or I should say, I think all three baseline,
5: all all three are pretty plausible. The NASA thing is so specific that because there's there's no reason for luke and colton to be a browns fan if they're a browns are you going to make them a browns fan you live in los angeles and you grew up in connecticut and the browns are the browns yeah it's I, that, that's
1: a fair point craig
5: uh so you never know so i don't think but i don't but i i think all of our sons it you know it's very possible they could be rams fans if we lived here a long time
3: that's my son will be a jets fan i already know he adores me he's gonna he's not gonna want to let his old man down and He's going to use it as a bonding exercise.
5: That's fair. That maybe of the three of us, I think you're going to push your son the most to make sure he's a fan of that team. The danger. I'll be like, oh, who you want.
3: To the know. danger, though, is, and maybe this is why I got to join Wes in the garden, get a green th- green thumb on. Is if I'm going to be in some, you know, goddamn newsroom uh, when I'm 44 and not watching the Jets on my couch, and then Jack's left his own devices, and all his buddies are, you know have their Todd Gurley Hall of Fame speeches ready. Yep. You know, then it gets dangerous.
1: No, I, when, when Luke and Colton were young, I'd come home and on a Sunday night, and they were in San Francisco 49ers pajamas because my wife is uh, a fan of that team. So, you know, the, mm. the, the divisiveness dangerous. has already been put into play. And Colton actually asked me yesterday, he said, do you love football? And I think he was seeing it as an either or, like someone can only love one thing. So I said, no, I love you. <laughs> and I also love space exploration, so I do not think the Jets will lose Jack as a fan. Uh, tennis, that's possible, but Greg is a football man to the end. So I'm actually going to say that I could see Luke and Colton not being a Browns fan and pursuing yeah. the space industry I, because I'll it's in line too. with their current hobbies as is.
3: I could see them potentially going down a career path together. Maybe so. And you know,
1: hopefully, lucrative.
3: Well, I think I think the, the loop spaceman makes some money.
1: NASA's, they're doing well. <laughs> what are you talking about? I I'm never saying thought
5: that not the company, but if you're working for NASA,
1: those aren't easy jobs to get. NASA is saying. like a shell organization right now. They are they are doing very little. Top-level people at NASA, they're making some cash.
3: Okay. Well, they are. Well, great, um, entertaining, imaginative work by Kissing Cousins. I never thought I would say this, but. I got I to gotta go down to the lab and, and get my scientist hat on. Wow. Let's <laughs> talk a little football here, guys. <laughs> it's nice down here. A little drafty. What's more likely? Ryan phone's Tannehill. Ringing. What's that? Phone's ringing. <laughs> in the lab. <laughs> I don't know why the phone's always ringing. What's more likely? Ryan Tannehill finally reaches his potential, goes full Dalton, and is a top 12 quarterback in 2016, or... Brock Osweiler lives up to the contract, drops a 4,028-90 slash line, that 90s is his passer rating, and tells his haters. Well, what is
5: 20? Just 20. 28. Touchdowns. Oh,
3: 28. Yeah, 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, 90 passer, and tells his haters to
4: suck it.
3: <laughs> well, we got to break
5: this down. Living up to it. I think, yeah, those numbers would certainly live up to it. And those aren't crazy numbers. Uh, Heck, I think Ryan Tannehill might have had pretty close to those numbers last year. But I am going to say it's more likely that Ryan Tannehill uh, rises to be a top 12 quarterback because to me, he is a guy who is the product of his surroundings. He's a pretty good quarterback, not a great quarterback. But for a guy that gets criticized a lot... Here's, here's what he had last year, 4,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, very similar stats the year before. He hasn't been bad, and I like the team around him. I don't love Tannehill at this point, but he's got some skills. I like Gase. I like Landry, Parker. Carew, you know, you throw in stills and Cameron and you got an offensive line with Brandon Alberts healthy again, Juwan James is back, you got Laramie Tunsell now to fill in for one of them or play guard. I think the surroundings are better, and so like Kirk Cousins and Dalton last year, I think Tannehill could get pushed up to the point where he's seen as an eleventh or twelfth, which isn't that far from how people saw him in two thousand fourteen.
3: Wow, really?
5: Yeah, who's, by the end who's of that, people? that. By the end of that year, people uh like the if you go look at I think the year-end sort of quarterback rankings and QBR and stuff like that's the range he was in was the Eli Manning type of range after that year,
4: boosted artificially by a gimmick offense that highlighted his strengths and hid his weaknesses. But that that's how you get that's how you get credit. And I I think I
5: don't think he's going to suddenly turn into a great player. But he throws with anticipation. That's something I I saw when I went back and watched him. I think he's good. He's not great, but I think if he's really supported, he can be really good.
4: I think the answer is B because. If you start sixteen games in today's NFL, you're throwing for four thousand yards and twenty-eight TDs. Hmm. But I think Brock Osweiler would have to be
1: a miserable failure not to do that. Hmm. We when we did this on NFL Now, we you did not drop the Osweiler stat line, correct? No, I did. 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 Oh, you did. Okay. Well, I I think this is a tight race. Um, I'm going to go Tannehill because one thing I'm not sure about with Miami's offense is the running game at this point, and they may be throwing the ball a lot, but. Also, you're talking about top 12. If if one or two of the people that were in the top 12 last year kind of fade off this season for whatever reason and another one or two get hurt, it he could slide right in there. I don't love Ryan Tannehill either, but I do think that Adam Gase has done a good job in each stop he's been at, and it's an upgrade coaching-wise sort of in general for the Dolphins, and we're not asking Tannehill to be something he completely wasn't last season statistically. Right. I think... Philbin
5: and the people he hired could have been among the worst coaching staffs in the entire league. And so you're hoping that Gase and the people he hired are league average, and that's going to help you a lot.
3: Here's here's one problem I would see. And, Mark, you mentioned the running game, uh, which is very up in the air last night. You Right now, you know I'm a Lamar Miller fan. You could, at the very least, Lamar Miller was a very effective back when given the opportunity last season. Uh, sacks by year for Tannehill, which isn't all his fault, but does point to some deficiencies and pocket awareness, etc. Thirty-five, fifty-eight, which led the league. Forty-six and fourteen, forty-five and fifteen, uh, the most lost yardage on sacks in the league in 2015. If he doesn't have a running game and defenses don't have to honor that, he could. I mean, this could be. Just a complete butcher show behind. Uh, Their line is Zetter. better,
1: though. Their line has improved. But, he, some, I think you it's know, with all the these young
5: quarterbacks, time. some of those sacks are the quarterbacks' fault. You're right. I think Tannehill's biggest problem is he doesn't get rid of the ball quick enough, and he doesn't seem to. The, what separates the great quarterbacks from the average ones, like Tannehill, are the ability to process everything quickly and make decisions before the snap. He has not shown that he's great at that part of his game i Wait. think that's fair but he also has limited mistakes I, I i did the stats when i did the article since he's ended the last two seasons he has thrown the sixth fewest interceptions in the league per per throw and the other people on that list are all pro bowlers they're all the best part of the reason the he's league. eating the ball when he's yeah, getting taken that, down.
3: Yeah, yeah that's, that's a it.
4: mistake it's how you define mistakes taking sacks that you shouldn't take is a mistake not seeing what you're supposed to be seeing is a mistake not pulling the trigger on throws downfield is a mistake Pro football focus ranks the offensive line. No, they're not perfect. It's
5: not what it's not, you know, end all be all. But the Dolphins were third, and this is you know, they account for guys holding the ball or not. Thirty second in the league in two thousand fourteen overall and thirty first in the league last year. So he's had some really lousy lines
3: in front of
1: him. I mean, I even like the potential of Osweiler, but he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. Mm. So it's like we not- one of the
3: worst. Co- feels a little strong. Well, they didn't, they didn't give him a lot to do. I think he's just an really.
1: unfit. Like I just don't know what he is. He's just like, I think it's no. just a lot of question marks.
3: Yeah, I don't know though. To West's point, if he did four, if he did a four thousand twenty eight touchdowns ninety passer rating, that's yeah, that's per that's a good quarter. I know the numbers are inflated out the position, but that could, that would be the the Texans would be doing backflips. Brian Hoyer had a ninety one
1: right point something passer rating and Hoyer is a completely he's got his issues but Hoyer came in with more experience at least i i just think with O'sweiler we have to see Bill O'Brien it, i i could wouldn't have a problem with coming out of next year with people thinking just as highly of Bill O'Brien as they do of Adam Gase depending on what happens there that yeah
5: that's a good point i mean we Gase is a little bit of an unknown too Not, i mean just you don't know if a good coordinator is going to be a good a good yeah. coach
4: well also is it better for For Ryan Tannehill to have Gase as his offensive coordinator instead of his head coach. Why are we assuming just because the head head coach is there it's going to help Tannehill? Yeah,
5: that's fair. All right, Greg. All right, two teams last year uh, which underperformed maybe, maybe more than any teams in the league. Everyone kind of expects the Ravens and the Cowboys will bounce back to some degree because they're talented rosters. But what's more likely? The Ravens don't bounce back at all this year and by December we're hitting we're hearing leaked reports to NFL Media insider Ian Rappaport that John Harbaugh's job is not secure or the Cowboys don't bounce back at all. Not gonna come close to sniffing the playoffs and we hear reports that Jason Garrett is gonna be let go by the Cowboys at year end. Hmm. That's more
3: likely I, I my first instinct is that John Harbaugh Unless things go really bad. How bad are we talking?
5: About the same as last year. It, although it, that would be worse because they'd, they wouldn't have the rash of injury. Okay. But I'm, I'm saying a 4-5 win team uh, for each of these scenarios.
3: I think that's something. He might have to fire some of his assistants, but I think he would be safe. And then it would be a do or die 2017. I see John Harbaugh. I think he has enough rope. Jason Garrett I don't think is the same situation. I think especially if, you know, uh, Romo plays – uh, more games than he misses, uh, but they still stink despite having you know this hot shot running back and this offensive line and all these high-paid players. I think Garrett definitely could go. And, you know, Jarrah has been more than patient with Jason Garrett. I think that if they had a really disappointing season, uh, J- uh, Jerry Jones, who's getting older, uh, would be compelled to act.
4: I see the Ravens as a roster that has question marks at every single position except tight end. Mm-hmm. I could easily see them only winning four games. I think the Cowboys are the clear favorites in the NFC East. I'd be shocked if they were, uh, unless another injury to Romo and Des Bryant. I'd be shocked if they were not if they were out of the race. That said, I don't think John Harbaugh is in
3: any danger of losing. Well,
5: I didn't say right. he's going to get fired, but you're hearing some leaked reports. Reports. If they're if they're a, th- a four win team, I think you're going to hear some. But would
3: what Wes is saying? Wouldn't that make Jason Garrett more susceptible to getting canned if they had a bad year? Because he has all these pieces and. And if Ozzie Newsom takes a step back and talks with ownership, like, listen, there's not a lot here. He's doing the best he can. I mean, maybe he doesn't have the tools to have a successful team right now.
1: It's
4: kind of two different questions. Jason Garrett, probably the one more likely to be fired, but the Ravens more likely to finish with a bad record.
1: You know, one thing about Garrett, when before the playoff year two seasons ago, a lot of people were waiting for Garrett to get axed at one point or another. After after multiple 500 seasons, you can't get him over the hump. And, you know, Sean Payton's sitting out there, and we know Jerry Jones has a fascination with him. Sean Payton's under lock and key now. And when they talked about Garrett in the past, and I do think it's sincere, they talked about it as someone that since he was started in the league in 1993 that they've put 20-plus years of investment into. And it would have to fall on Jason Garrett's shoulders in terms of he's not – coaching them correctly, game after game, almost losing games the way Coughlin did last year in bizarre fashion. If it's not that, I would go with the Ravens. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's tough, though, because if the Ravens, the other situation I could see is Ozzie Newsom taking, not the heat, but if someone's head needs to roll, that Ozzie Newsom, who is at the end of a proud, long career, could step down at some point and let, what is it, Eric DaCosta come in and maybe take over that operation. I mean, Ozzie Newsom is not young at this point. But you created a good one. I'm going to go more likely with the Ravens because they're more likely to finish four and twelve. Ravens are a proud proud franchise.
5: You know, Billick won a Super Bowl there. He had some winning years after he had he had two He had a, I think he struggled for two out of three years, but the one in between was the one where they lost with McNair as the one seed and and Billick got canned so. I just think that's a that's a proud franchise, and another bad season would be tough for them to swallow. I I don't have an answer, but
3: Ozzie Newsom, by the way, one of those guys that looks older than he actually is. He's got a lot of age on him, but his last pro season was 1990. He's uh, 60 years old. So he well, he's been
1: doing blood. this for a very yeah. long time. That's all I'd say. I mean, kind of looks
3: like he's 80.
1: I'm not. I, I think he could do it for another 10 years. I'm not ushering him out the door. It's just that if maybe it fits for someone else to take a step down. We should do a. We should do like top five
3: player GM careers five. has got to be in that, gotta, be in
5: that oh yeah, that's crazy.
3: yeah. Uh, all right that was what's more likely good job guys a lot of fun uh, that's it for Tuesday's edition of the round the NFL podcast we'll be back with one more show uh, this week uh, before uh, and Irish I know you're working on it uh, this is this is happening guys starting next week. Uh, we're rolling out our first ever uh, "Best of the Around the NFL" podcast. Let me get a little bugle for that. How about that? And Iris, you've been doing a lot of work on this, haven't you? That is correct. A lot. This okay. is your ch- the, You're you're going for Mount Rushmore. You're saying the chisels they're staying out forever. This is going to be my grand artistic statement. Well, I hope people look at it that way. Yeah. A lot on the line. I mean, I think this is going to do a great job. This is
5: almost yeah. This is your Mount Rushmore. This is it. Is That what you basically said. I mean, this is the thing you've been chiseling. Yeah, it's true. It's,
3: it, it's true. It's true. It gets a little complicated uh, <laughs> and confusing, but well, there's multiple Mount Rushmores <laughs> at play here. <laughs> but especially because it's all your guys' work
5: that I'm just putting together. Right. What well, yeah. you're
3: basically what Irish has done, and he he referenced our su- or he dove into the subreddit uh, uh, around the NFL podcast. Uh, if you want to check that out and reached out to the audience and also spoke with us about things that we
1: got a lot of positive feedback on, and uh, we're rolling it out. I also I heard from someone else in the Blue Room that he's actively bleeped out any comment or reference to uh, the gold standard or Sydney. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and TD, all of them gone.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Brandon's gotten feistier
3: as uh, the the yeah, i uh, all right. So, yes, we'll be back on Thursday. Best of starts next week. Two weeks of best ofs. Uh, two episodes, I should say, uh, over, spread over two weeks after uh, after this week. So that's a lot of fun stuff to look forward to. Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you. It's good to have you back. It's good to be here. The mailman, the boss, and Irish behind the glass. Still Thursday. You're twisted. Your girl's a hoe. You're broke. The kid ain't yours. And everybody know your old man say you're stupid. You be like, so I love my baby mama. I never let her go.
1: Yeah, right. You will let her go.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you hey guys back at the playground again huh yep you know what this playground could use a wine country heck
3: yeah and some waves, so we could go surfing. I
4: oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm
3: in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's
4: do it.
1: Um, can girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait.
0: Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
4: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.